August 13th, 2010, Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the exchange this week and get a £5 free bet. If you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back on exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds of £1.55 free bet awarded at Bet Settlement. Ballot for 72 hours, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by attheraces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Lockdown has been tough on all of us. It was a long wait to get back to normality, but as restrictions are eased in the United Kingdom, Ireland, and across Europe, our favourite sport continues to deliver behind closed doors with stellar casts each weekend, and this one is an absolute blockbuster. The Derby, the Oaks, the Queen of the Turf, Enable, back again as a six-year-old in the Coral Eclipse, and also on Sunday, exclusively live on Sky Sports Racing, the French Derby and the French Oaks, the Prix de Jockey Club and the Prix de Diane, with expert analysis available for you now on attheraces.com from our good friend Laurent Babaran, who will be on the show on Monday to review the action. It is a superb weekend's racing and I'm delighted that you're with us to preview it. I'm Emerson Kennedy, joined by two informed men. First of all, final Furlong podcast legend and from attheraces.com, Rory DeLarge. Hello there, how are you? You're sounding so enthused for the weekend, Rory. I know. Can't wait for it. You know me. And already you can hear smiling and laughing in the background from Sun Racing and my colleague at TalkSport, Mr. Tom Bull. Yeah, hi, Emmett. How are you doing? I'm all right. I would be even better if I'd followed your sage advice on Thursday's show last week and actually backed the horses that you put up. Well done with Judicial, a nice price, Rory. <coughs> and uh, well done with winning the Northumberland Plate as well with Caravan of Hope. Uh, a fantastic weekend. Uh, I think you had another winner as well. I'm hoping that you're staying in good form. We'll talk about the Derby first of all. Seeing as we have a lot of new listeners, you're very welcome. Thank you. Rory, some won't have heard you talk about the draw before and its importance at Epsom. So let's get into that first of all. The ground is good. We're not expecting that to change too much between now and then. But in terms of the draw, English King, the favourite, is in stall one. Mogul, the choice of Ryan Moore, is in stall two. And uh, Kameko, the third favourite, in stall 11. So how bad are stalls one, two and three? Uh, three, I wouldn't worry an awful, an awful lot about. Uh, you, you would expect low draws to be favoured. Um, you know, if you if you have an opinion about the draw generally on a turning track, the lower you are theoretically, the closer you are to the inside rail, so the, the less far you have to travel. It's a very basic theory, but it, it holds um, good in certain circumstances. Um, that's not always the case with um, with UK racecourses. Um, and Epsom, if you watch replays of the Derby, what you will see is the first thing the field does after the mile and a half start is after about 50 to 100 yards, they bear right. So they go to the outside rail. There's a slight uh, right turn before they swing um, left again and head towards Tantanum Corner. So horses who are drawn low are actually on the wide outside of the field uh, going into that first mini turn, if you like. Um, and then they run the risk of being stuck on the rail behind horses um, when the field then... Um, heads to uh, uh, heads to that uh, the turn at Tottenham Corner, so it can be a, a big negative. 
Uh, and just to uh, to demonstrate that, um, there have been three winners from Stall One in the Derby uh, since starting Stalls were first used, which was back in 1967. Um, but the last of those was Oath in 1999, and uh, he needed all of Kieran Fallon's uh, strength and drive to get through the field that day. Um, since then, nothing from Stall One has won. We've had, we've had very short price favourites um, in recent times from the inside stall as well. And Stall Two, since 1967, has never won the Derby. Now, there will be, there are always going to be anomalies in statistics when you're just looking at a yes-no scenario, do you win, do you not win? Um, and obviously, you know, you have a slightly unusual one. Stall 11's never won. Uh, I don't think Stall 11's won uh, since 67 either. But Stall 10 has won 10 times. Um, and it doesn't make an awful lot of sense that, you know, Stall 10 should be the winning most stall in the Derby, and the, the stall next to it is, is um, uh, you know, joint worst stall. So clearly there are going to be anomalies in there. But um, while there's no great logic to why 10 is good and 11 is bad, um, and that should really even itself out over time, there is a reason why stalls 1, stalls one and 2 um, do poorly, and that's because they tend to be they tend to get isolated from where they are. Um, horses also drawn in, um, in extremes tend to be slowly away, more often than not, or more often than, than they would be uh, drawn in the middle. Um, so English King being drawn in stall one, um, the the tendency would be to jump out of that stall and go to the left, head towards daylight. That's what horses tend to do naturally, whereas the rest of the field will want to head right um, towards the outside rail, and that could cause issues for him. It's not you know it's not the kiss of death, but it's something to to bear seriously in mind. Um, and you would want to be getting significantly bigger odds um, about the horse that you've backed knowing that it's drawn and sold one and two. And currently, um, English King and uh, Mogul are pretty short in the betting. Um, you know, the, what is it, about seven to four of the pair or something like that, Yeah, um, winning the race at the, the odds that I saw. Um, and when you consider that it's a 16-runner field, only one horse has come out, um, Armoury, since, um, uh, since the five-day stage. So a big field uh, and the two widest, essentially widest stalls, but also the one stuck in the rail when we get into the straight. Um, that is, that's something that has to be overcome. It is possible, and you've got two extremely good jockeys there, and Frankie Dettori and Ryan Moore, um, to overcome that stat. But it has been an issue before, um, and it's something you have to bear seriously in mind. How much of a concern is it for you, Tom? Are you going to completely disregard draw biases, statistical analysis, and just take this race on its own merit? I don't think you can completely disregard it, but it certainly isn't as much an effective thing as I would, I would have as Rory does. I mean, I don't think it's going to make a huge amount of difference personally. I think stats are there to be broken. I know that obviously no horse has won since 1967 from Store 11, but 10 have won in Store 10, as Rory said. I mean, that's just one of those things, isn't it? You, you'd expect Store 11 to have no problems if it's coming right next to Store 10. So um, for me, it's not something to be looking into massively. Um, Mogul is the choice of Ryan Moore following declaration. Seekly doesn't seem to think it's going to be too much of an issue. Um, English King and Stall One is going to need a good ride, but I, to be honest, I just don't. It's not going to be. I think you're going to. You need to look for the horse that you you like the most, and I, I wouldn't read too much in, into draw bias personally. Um, you know, at well, some stage, horses are going to win from Stall Two. Horses are going to win from Stall Eleven. They will be broken at some stage, and why? Why would it not be this year? You know, it may very well be. It may very well be. Uh, in terms of the current betting for the Derby, uh, I should point out. 
that the Bally Doyle team have announced who's riding who. And Ryan Moore, as you said, both of you have alluded to the fact that he's chosen Mogul. I don't think it's a huge surprise. Edna Brown was talking about during the week. Aaron Naveen will run and will have the assistance of William Buick. Um, Apologies. The whole thing just went and froze on me. Uh, Shami Heffernan on board Russian Emperor. Podrick Beggy on Vatican City. Mythical will be ridden by James Doyle and Emmett McNamara, who went close to winning the Derby on... Tiger Moth, the Irish Derby, that is, uh, will have another chance to win the Derby, and he is on board Serpentine. The current betting on the Betfair Exchange, English King, 3.75, Kameko, 5.0, Mogul, closing all the time, 6.0 now, well back today after the news that Ryan Moore is on board. Uh, Russian Emperor has taken a little bit of a walk in the market at 8.0, Vatican City, 11.0, another drifter today, and uh, Pile Driver, the Royal Ascot Hero, 17.0. Rory, we'll begin with you. What is your assessment of the 2020 Derby? Uh, well, I definitely would have been, and I have been, um, Andy Post with English King for this race. He's a horse that I like an enormous amount. Um, I uh, I napped him when he won the the, uh, the Derby trial at, at Lingfield because I was really taken with his um, uh, his win second time out um, as a juvenile. Ed Walker wouldn't be. Um, getting his horses wound up at two. And indeed, uh, Bjorn Nielsen's very, very patient um, with his horses um, at, at two. He's not interested in winning big prizes with them as juveniles. He wants them to uh, to come into their own over longer trips uh, at three and, 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 you know, and stay in training, as we see with Stradivarius. Um, so it was impressive that he was able to win at all um, as a juvenile, but I was particularly impressed with how he quickened up um, to win that, uh, that maiden um, over a mile and a quarter at Newcastle. He's clearly going to stay um, based on how he did that and, and his pedigree. And I absolutely adored the way he did it at Lingfield. It wasn't a tremendously strong race behind the front two, but Berkshire Rocco um, is a pretty good yardstick having been um, placed in the, the Zetland Stakes, the Lingfield Derby Trial, and then the uh, the Queen's Vase um, on his last three starts. Um, an English King um, made him look pretty pedestrian. Um, put the best part of three lengths between the, the pair of them in the final furlong at Lingfield uh, in a race that had been run pretty strongly in the early stages. It was never you never had a moment's doubt there. He wasn't wasn't particularly well placed in the first couple of furlongs. So you just wondered how that might pan out. But Tom Marcon really didn't have to ask any serious question at any stage. He just you know he just asked English King to to move into the position that he wanted it at various stages in the race and to make sure he wasn't caught behind weakening rivals. Um, and that question didn't have to be very serious. English King did everything Tom asked him to do, was beautifully balanced, so showed stamina and that really good turn of foot. And for me, he absolutely stands out in this race. But stall one is a real kick in the teeth for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who banged the drum and say, you can't win from stall one. And we had this conversation a couple of years ago uh, when Massar won the derby, mm. um, when it looked like it was a one-horse race in the morning. Um, being but there so on track, so, that's all anybody wanted to talk about on track, was how yeah. Saxon Warrior was going to be the one that was going to defy that stall. And oy, oy, oy. Yeah, I mean, we now forget how, how strong Saxon Warrior's claims looked on paper for, for that race, but it's very, very hard to do. And a lot of people, as you know, I'm convinced that Ryan Moore's riding Mogul, not because he thinks he's got an outstanding chance. I think Ryan Moore thinks stall two is a good stall. Interesting. Um, but Ryan... Because Ryan, you know, if you try to tell Ryan that, you know, since 1967, nothing's won. Well, you know, it's, we're due one then, aren't we? I'll show you. Um, 
You know, it's that's kind of logic. But you know, I can see exactly why it's a problem, and it is possible to overcome it. But you 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 must ride the horse. You must understand that it's an issue, and you must ride to overcome that draw bias. Um, and it's not going to be easy to do. I'm not sure. I'm 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 inclined to see how the market changes this afternoon. But I would now want a bigger price bidding the king. I would need him to be fourth favourite to back him. Wow. Uh, and I think that's possible. I you, think that's possible. You with, think with Frankie could take that much of a walk in the market? Because this is interesting. We had this conversation on the review show on Monday with Kay Tracy and with Ryan McHugh. And Ryan is one of the odds compilers for Betfair as well. And yeah. uh, he was talking about pushing Mogul out to 20s after being beaten at Royal Ascot. And he was the one who was saying that because he, he had a viewpoint that, well, maybe he won't even turn up now. And, yeah. and he said, I got that badly wrong. Um, now, he's probably empowered by the draw today and is feeling a little bit more emboldened. But he was of the view that English King will walk. He was on the view, of the view, similar to yourself, that he will take a walk in the betting, that the more people look at the market, the more they're going to say, nah, too short. No, because Mogul will be backed um, because because Moore has chosen him. Um, Russian Emperor will be backed because you know you don't have to you don't have to go very far to to to, to see how obvious his claims are, and I think he'll be backed despite the fact that Ryan's um, not on him. Um, and I suspect Chemical will be backed as well, you know, because he is he's got the best form in the race. Um, he's coming out of the the Guineas. Um, his last two runs are absolutely top notch in the context of this race. Um, and I think those, I think they will be back. I think English King, um, he's only won a listed race. As I said, I was really impressed by that, but it's only a listed race. Um, it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the strongest running of that race either. It was just after racing had started. It's, it's easy enough for people to look at that and go, I'm not sure that's, a, that's particularly strong for, um, I disagree personally, but I can, I can see people take that view and I can see that, that, you know, um, people who want to lay horses in this race will use the information about the draw um, to, to back up their opinion as well. And I can see English King drifting. As I said, he needs to drift. If he's fourth favourite, I will back him. But if he's not, um, if, if he's not, it's a struggle for me, really. I, um, I'm not going to put anyone off um, off the, the Ballydoyle um, supposed second string. Uh, and I'm surprised that, that Ryan Moore is... Um, is not on board Russian Emperor because I think he's I think he's the blindingly obvious one. He's the one who's going forward at the right time. Um, the Hampton Court Stakes uh, was a, a pretty strong contest this year. He's so you know he's 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 won well at, at Group Two level. He he was staying on very strongly Group Three level rather I should say staying on very strongly at the finish. That looks like he's guaranteed to stay a mile and a half. And it's slightly surprising that Ryan's against them. And, you know, his his um, his uh, time figure for that was very, very good. My concern about horses who, who went to Royal Alaska was this comes a little bit too soon. But, of course, uh, as I've said before on this, um, when it comes to Aidan O'Brien um, uh, horses by Galileo, you tend to, to um, suspend the rules a little bit. Although in saying that, there were plenty of disappointments at Royal Ascot, strongly fancied horses from the O'Brien yard as well, who'd run recently. Um, so that it, it's more of a worry with juveniles probably mm. um, but that's a slight concern in saying that I think Russian Emperor would be strong I think he's got very strong claims in terms of his three year old form um, going into this um, so yeah I, I think he would be punted um, and I think at the moment he's the value you know, let's, let's be blunt about that way he's trading about I saw 8.4 8.6 on, on Betfair 
Uh, yeah, eight point six at the moment. That's that's definitely the, the value as it stands at the moment. Okay, I would not be at all surprised if Russian Emperor was a shorter price than English King on the day. Whoa. And that's a big call from Rory. And Rory tends to be right about these things. 8.6 is indeed the current price for Russian Emperor. It's fluctuating as we're talking. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, if Ryan was on him, he would, he would, he'd already be shorter. But, I, I want, you know, top jockeys make wrong calls all the time, you know. Yeah. I mean, just look at the results of the Derby over the over the years. Well, it should and be Ryan pointed out. Always been calling this right. It should be pointed out that our good friend and uh, regular on the Final Forum podcast, Chris Cook, did a, a great piece in The Guardian with Aidan O'Brien during the week. And part of that piece was Aidan O'Brien saying that Ryan has the choice. He will choose on Thursday. He doesn't want to choose until he sees the draw. But I will have to tell him how well I think Mogul has been doing. And he really talked Mogul up and he talked up Vatican City. And his view was that Vatican City would be the horse that Ryan would choose, but that he would have to tell him just how far Mogul has come along in his work and how happy he is with him. And he never mentioned Russian Emperor, which I thought was intriguing. But what I think is even more intriguing is the fact that you're emphasizing a drift on English King in the morning and indeed in the afternoon would not be a negative for you. In fact, it would be a good thing. And you wouldn't be surprised if Russian Emperor, the Emperor himself, uh, goes off a little bit shorter. Um, I'll, I'll get a, an outsider from you in a few minutes. But Tom, you've heard what Rory has to say. What is your current thinking for the Derby? Well, I just wanted to say that's a fascinating take from Rory that he thinks English King will drift that much with Frankie on board. Um, it would be some sight to see that. Um, I just think this race is a fantastic race this year. It's got a could-be-anything pretender in English King. It's got a Guineas winner in Cameco. It's got an O'Brien battalion that no one can make head nor tail of and a William Muir runner who has actually got a genuinely good chance. Um, if we start with English King, I mean, he was very impressed with that Lingfield Derby trial. We all know that. Uh, that form looks very weak to me. The third was rated 92, had won a class four handicap before that, and he was beaten a long way, admittedly. Berkshire Rocker is obviously the English interesting form line in that race. Um, but I mean, in my opinion, he was quite clearly outpaced over that trip at that track by a speedier horse in English King, who was much the best in a poor contest. And then you need to compare that to the Queens of Ours, where Berkshire Rocker had the benefit of that run behind English King. So he was stripping fitter and produced a better effort to get within three lengths of Santiago. Um, he was much better suited by the longer trip, I think it's fair to say. And the strong pace in front, which they, which they, well, they ran off like scored cats, didn't they? We said that before. And they all contributed to a much better performance in general than he produced at Lingfield. We now know the winner, Santiago, is an Irish Derby winner, and in any year you'd say Berkshire Rocker is a good yardstick. But that Irish Derby was the weakest classic I've ever seen, and I think both Tiger Moth and Dormatrol would reverse that form with more experience under their belts. And at no point in normal season would Santiago have been considered for a Derby by Edna O'Brien. He's a ledger type, and it's only, the, it's only the strange season, really, we've had that he even entertained running him over a mile and a half. So that's just to me that the couple of horses, well, the six horses that Aidan O'Brien's bringing to Epsom are of better quality over the Derby distance than Santiago. Maybe not all of them, but certainly a couple of them will be. Um, English King is too short a price, in my opinion, on that Berkshire Rocco form line. And although he's very exciting, I think at the prices, he's definitely worth taking on. Uh, he's never come off the bridle, and you can't win a Derby on the bridle unless you're Shergar. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on in a battle. Um, Cameco, 
as a lot of people have been saying, will he, will he not stay? I think he will stay. He's by Kittens Joy. He stayed a mile and a half in the States. Um, Kittens Joy side Hawkbill, Big Blue Kitten, both of whom stayed a mile and a half well. A lot of people have been talking about Roaring Lion as an example, but he struck me as having slightly more raw speed than Kamiko, who tends to grind away and does his best work at the end of his races over a mile. I think he'd get a, a mile and a quarter standing on his head, and it's a shame he's not eligible for the Eclipse this year, though whether or not he would have won that, given how strong a race it is, is another matter. I think he will stay. And what I'm about to say is applies to Vatican City too, is that I think they are two very smart coats who will both stay, but they are vulnerable to strongest stayers. I wouldn't be too surprised if they were banging there at the end of the race, but their speed might be blunted a little bit um, by the Epsom straight. And I can see a more powerful finishing having too much potency in that final furlong. And the one who carries absolutely no fault for me is Russian Emperor. So I agree with very much with Rory and what he's been saying. Um, he's improved every outing. He came on an absolute tonne for that Derenstown stud derby trial to win at Royal Ascot. Um, and he did what he did in his maiden, which is engage overdrive very late on. And he picked the leaders up in the final strides to win actually quite impressively. And I think this Hampton Court form is pretty strong. It was the strongest of the trials at Royal Ascot, much stronger than the Kim of the seventh form. Um, first receiver destroyed him in a Kempton maiden. He finished second. And Berlin Tango finished third. And he was a horse who beat pile driver at Kempton. and obviously went on to win the King Edward. So, I just think the fact that Russian Emperor was still three lengths down at the furlong pole, he needed every yard of that a mile and a quarter of the trip. And every yard he got further to the line, he became more dangerous and eventually he won going away. And I think a mile and a half at Epsom will be perfect for him. He's got that mixture of speed and stamina. And I rate, he raised a pretty confident section for me to be the best of the Aiden O'Brien bunch. I cannot have Mogul at all. Ooh. You just... I just can't. How can you possibly, anyone possibly fancy him on that run in the King of the Seventh? Yes, I know he's probably about 15 kilos overweight, need the run massively. But he needs to improve roughly a stone and a half to win, in my book, on that running. He ran it roughly off about 101 in that race. And although he might conceivably do that, it's just a massive ask for me a couple of weeks after Ascot to be doing that. I know Aidan O'Brien clearly thinks he's, he's the one of, of his cults, but... We've heard Nain not talk up horses in the past, and he has been wrong despite the fact he's genius. Um, so for me, I'd, I'd have Russian Emperor over Mogul. And just quickly of the others, Pile Driver shouldn't be underestimated, but I don't think the form of that King Edward is that good. Mahican Heights is probably about 104 rated animal. I, I think that's probably his level. Um, Highland Chief, in my opinion, can't win the derbies. To hand, he won a handicap. Handicappers don't win derbies. Um, Emissary is the most interesting to me of the outsiders because he looked to need it a little bit in the cocked hat. He couldn't get quite get past Khalifa Sats. So I'd have him over Khalifa Sats. And he's very interesting being a half-brother to workforce who should be fit enough for this. Um, and I expect him to get the better of Khalifa Sats this time. He looked to be raring to go first time up. And another one outside is, is Serpentine, who I was really impressed by in his maiden win at the Curra. I thought he looks a really exciting stayer for the future, but his day will probably come in the St. Ledger or a race like that. So for me, Russian Emperor is definitely the one. He carries no fault, and I think he's going to run a big race. That's a bold call, and it's a very confident one from the inform tumble as well. Uh, Rory, as we wrap up our analysis of the Derby, Vatican City is going to be very popular with a number of Final Forlum podcast listeners. Breeding, though, the, exactly as Tom said, the pedigree is going to be the issue for me. He's related to horses who were 10 furlong horses max, and really Milers. Uh, Coolmore and Taj Mahal won over 10 furlongs. Coolmore was very highly regarded, obviously, hence the name. Happily, Marvelous and Glen Eagles, all Milers. He's a full brother to all of them. I don't see why 12 furlongs is suddenly going to suit him, but I, I understand why he's in the race. 
you know, so he's obviously very high class. We're talking, you know, we're talking about the chances of horses who, who are running in Group Three races and listed races, and here, and he's he's run an absolute stormer to be second in a classic. Um, so you know, if he if he stays, he's got he's got obvious claims in paper for Vatican City, but I take the same take the same view as you. I think it's unlikely um, that he'll stay um, on pedigree. You know, being by Galileo, he's going to get a mile and a quarter, um, and we have the same sort of thing with Sather as well. Um, the Phillies seem to stay a mile and a half, um, but um, it, it can be a bridge too far for the Colts. Um, it, you know, if the salmon isn't there on the uh, on the dam side of the pedigree, and um, you know, and while while Glen Eagles might might sire a Derby winner, he, he never he never struck you as being a Derby type himself, and, and you know, Vatican City is a full brother um, to him and. Yeah, everything about the family suggests that you know mile and a quarter is is probably what Vatican City wants, but it, it makes perfect sense that he's in there and it's it's part of the the uh, Coolmore approach um, to this race. Um, there is a very good chance that something at a big price is going to play a, a, um, a significant role in this race, and the question is who's going to to show that improvement. The, the horse that I I'll put in a, a reasonably good word for Mohican Hyde because I was keen on him um, uh, going into to ask it in the. Um, you know, I, I, I fancied him to overturn Mogul. You did. Uh, said on the on our uh, Royal Ascot um, podcast. Don't think he was quite ready for it. I think he, um, in, a, in a similar sort of way, and of course he, he was ridden as if um, uh, he needed to keep tabs on, on Mogul through the race and ended up poorly positioned as it went. I thought he shaped pretty well, and I think he'd come on a lot for that. I liked him a lot as a two-year-old. And I think there's a chance that he will take a leap forward. He's on a stall 15 off the 16, which um, uh, is... A tricky one uh, for a horse who who didn't race handily. He did uh, when he when he won on debut over seven furlongs at Leperstown for Fozzie Stack. He made pretty much all the running. Um, but I'd be worried about being drawn that wide if you if you can't take a, um, an early position because the others are going to be heading towards you in that first furlong or so. But he's he's interesting at a big price. And uh, the horse that I would I would definitely be backing if he if he'd had one more run um, is Emissary. I was hugely taken by his debut at Wolverhampton. Again, we tend to ignore um, uh, all weather form, um, but there are plenty of good horses who, who made their debut on the tap at both Wolverhampton and particularly Newcastle. Um, he beats um, uh, a horse of, of Mark Johnson's called Glenties, which has been a little disappointing this season, but had, will probably end up winning a big handicap at some stage. Um, despite not getting the run of the race, he was very strong at the finish. Again, you know, very good looker. Loved the way he moved that day. Um, he's very much bred for the Derby. He's a, he's a half brother to a Derby winner in workforce. Um, he will stay the trip, I'm pretty sure, as well. Stepped up to a mile and three in his reappearance in that Cox Hat Sticks at, at Goodwood and got turned over. But um, Khalifa Saka had the run that he dictated terms at a slow pace and quickened um, the pace from from um, you know three furlongs out. Emissary did really well to close him down, looked certain to win a furlong from home. Um, but um, given the canny ride, Khalifa Sat found a little bit more um, to fend him off by a neck. It was a very good ride from Tom Marcond, um, who deserves a huge amount of credit for the way he's ridden this season. Um, and again, you, you wouldn't rule anything out that he's riding in this race, and it will mean an awful lot to him. But I thought Emissary should turn the tables. The worry with him is that he's just had the two starts. Um, the other slight worry is, I, I don't know why you want to stick cheek pieces on him in mm. the derby. It's an absolutely nothing wrong with two starts today. Cheek pieces don't help horses. 
is the other thing. If you've got a horse who's got a, who's got an issue and you you know you think he's not going to concentrate and you want to put cheek pieces on him, then I can understand that. I don't understand the benefit of wearing cheek pieces first time in the Derby. I know ruler of the world did win the race with cheek pieces. Um, but as, as people will tell you, um, cheek pieces are universal negative. Um, horses wearing cheek pieces for the first time do less well than horses who don't wear headgear. Um, so it's not, it's not a, um, I, I hear a lot of trainers saying, I'm just sticking cheek pieces on them to help them concentrate a little bit. It just doesn't work. Um, horses will win the cheap pieces, but they don't win more races than they would do otherwise. Um, so that's that's a that's a worry for me. But if if he just had one more run for experience, because he still looks, I mean, he jumped the path at Goodwood last time out. He still looked like he was very green. Um, I think he's got a huge amount of ability. But you know, whether you can go into a derby um, on your third start. Uh, and stepping up massively from a four-runner listed race to a 16-runner Group One is a big worry. But aside from that, I think I think he's got the right um, credentials in terms of, of um, raw ability, physique, stamina, and the jockey on board as well. So he's about 50s, you know. And, and although I do have slight concerns about about his inexperience and whether whether headgear is any kind of good idea, uh, I'm inclined to to throw a small bet at him at, at those prices. Emissary for, I hope it doesn't blow his mind running in this race. Excellent. Uh, emissary for Hugo Palmer and Jim Crowley. There'll be no pink and navy colours at uh, the Derby this year or navy and pink cap for Coolmore. Uh, they're all coming out. It's the grey silks that get a run. And Derek Smith's colours will be carried only by Aaron Naveen, despite the fact that he has equal ownership of all six runners. Um, and so Buick will be carrying the first colours of uh, Derek Smith on the number one, Aaron Levine. And I think... Uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't have equal ownership of all six runners, does he? Well, well. Right, now, Russian Emperor, what, what, what's the breakdown of Russian Emperor? Well, now that's a good point. That's a very good point, actually. I'd like to know how much Marachi... So Laurie Macri, by, by the looks of it, has a half share in him. Yeah, it looks 50-50 between him and Coolmore. And the Coolmore partners. Yeah. Mm. So that's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, so he he would then be five horses. He'd be you'd be splitting the the uh, the share up for. But it's just Aaron Levine that carries the Smith colours, and I think he's he's coming from a maiden that paid off well in what Tumble thinks is the worst classic ever run. So perhaps not worth a whole <laughs> lot, but. Um, I think it's very interesting that they diverted him from the Irish Derby to come here. And maybe he'll be a pacemaker. Although, sorry, they all run on their merits. Isn't that the they use the phrase that he used with Chris Cook during the week? There's no team tactics to play at all. Um, I, I think he's a very exciting horse. And we know all of these three-year-olds are staying in training. We know they're all going to be back as four-year-olds, which is one of the things I like about Vatican City. He might not be ready for the weekend, but you will see him next year. So there'll be time for him to come back. I'd take him over Serpentine. And I thought Serpentine was really good. I'd take him over Mythical. And he's a much bigger price than them. Um, Mogul's my choice. I think Mogul will, will take the beating. Sorry, Tom. I've gone completely against you No, it's great. <laughs> That's what, what it's all we, about. Do we, have a, do, we, do we have a strong opinion about the pace of this race? Well, two things I wanted to ask you about before we wrapped it up, actually, Ori. One, it really is a derby unlike any other because no Chester derby trials, no Bally Sachs, no Dante. So we're all lacking information here. All of us are. The trainers, the jockeys, but crucially for us, as fans and as betters, 
we are missing out on crucial details. And the pace of the race is a very intriguing one. So if I was to put it to you now, who do you think will be making the running? Or how do you see that unfolding? <coughs> what do you consider it, Rory? I, I, I would say if, if you had to... If I had to guess who would be heading into Tattenham Corner first, um, and you give me 10 to 1 on the field, I would uh, I'd, I'd definitely throw a few quid at Serpentine. I agree. I do too. Um, I think you know he's he's well positioned in the first place to be to be making that you know making that first move um, and setting the pace, um, and then as a kid, it's very few of these could be described as having a um, a set run style. Um, so it's it's difficult to say you know this is the way this horse normally runs. Well, a lot of them coming in with with limited experience, um, and they've they've run in different styles in the races they've been in. So there's no, there's no out and out front runner in the race, but you know, with a, um, with a load of, um, uh, of Bally Doyle horses in there, um, that a horse like Serpentine, who, who doesn't, you know, doesn't have obvious claims on paper, but isn't, is clearly has plenty of ability. is very well bred and won his maiden in, in, in very good style last time out by making all the running of the Cura. It makes perfect sense that he should go on and, and set a strong pace, um, here as well. And as a case of, who of the of the fancied horses is going to want to sit close to that pace? I don't think uh, um, English King or Mogul want to, will want to sit too far behind from where they are in the first place. I think they have to be pushed forward in the first furlong just to get a good position in the field. Um, and you know, can we go and slot in just behind Serpentine if he wants, or you know, within within a few lengths of that lead, so he's he's guaranteed a good position. Um, corner. I don't think they want to ride him strangely to get the trip. I think his best chance of getting the trip is is not having to make a, a massive move mid-race. Um, so I think he's going to be handy. But it's difficult to know whether it's going to be a, you know, uh, whether Serpentine is going to bounce out and then slow things down or whether he's going to bounce out and set a suicidal pace up front um, with Aaron Levine um, probably going forward as well as he did at Leperstown last time out. But working out whether it's going to be a strong pace or a... Or a um, uh, or a tactical race, very, very hard to say, uh, given the makeup of the field. And that's that's another thing that makes it look very open. I suspect when we see the race, we'll go, why did we ever think that was open when something wins by five lengths and we're yeah. killing it as the next great thing? But on paper, there are a lot of questions that, that have um, that have to be answered and, and a lot of scenarios that you can't predict with any confidence. Well, the, the thing about the Derby this year is that we've seen a 40-1 winner from the Bally Doyle team. And I wouldn't be, that was Wings of Eagles back in 2017. I wouldn't be stunned if that was repeated this year because it's such an unusual year because so many things have changed. At the same time, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if we have a Golden Horn or an Australia who just dominates and then they become stars. Uh, but Tom, that question for you and your final selections for the race, Russian Emperor and your Outsider. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Rory about the pace angle. I think Serpentine is definitely going to have to be up there. I think Khalifa Sat won't be far off them, considering he led at Goodwood. And Connections will probably want to have a similar kind of, you know, effort from the front, I would imagine, just because it already works. And Tom Marquand is, is quite clearly very good at cutting out fractions from the front. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see Khalifa Sat up there as well. Um, I, yeah, my selection, definitely Russian Emperor. Uh, he's one of the very many in the race who like to come from behind. How far behind remains to be seen. I hope Shamey doesn't hold him up too far back um, and he comes too late. But I can see him 
coming with a late withering charge to land it late on. And uh, I agree with Rory about a mystery. He'd be my selection with the outsiders. Um, the, uh, the thing about him, as Rory mentioned, these first-time cheek pieces, he's the only horse in the race who's wearing headgear. And it would definitely be a concern. I, I did actually speak to Hugo earlier in the day and I asked him why he put them on him. And he just said, he, well, he thought he'd, a little bit of improvement to come. Maybe he'd have a little bit of progress. And it does seem strange that after just two starts, having shown no real irks, they're putting them on emissary. It doesn't really strike home to me, but he's a big price for what he's achieved. And he's likely to come on a lot for that, that run at Goodwood, which was a good run in itself. Um, so I can see him going, going well at a big price. But Russian Emperor all the way for me. Um, listen, Tom, I know you're new to the team now, right? But if you're going to be on this show, you better be accurate. And I think you'll find that if you look at the race card, you will see that Serpentine is wearing cheek pieces. So don't be putting the people away now, okay? There's not one horse having headgear on, huh? You come out of nowhere, you steal my place in the show. It's an absolute disgrace. Jesus Christ, well, I should have said. the name of God. Where did he come from? <laughs> What I should have said is first time headgear. Ah, That's what I should have said. Yeah, uh, Norval's already walking out the door with his tail between his legs. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, Rory Delarge. It just seems odd. Just Go seems on. odd to me to have first time to have first time headgear in a derby when you've shown no real irks beforehand. It just seems strange to me that they'd go for that, considering. You'd think he'd run a big race without it, but you know the trainer knows more than I do. He does, but Rory. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what's worth what's worth doing. I ha- I just have a check on, on Hugo's record with first time cheek pieces. Now there's one. Yeah, I, obviously, I've, I've spoken to Hugo in the past before um, doing his Betfred column for him, and hmm. I, I used to get similar similar comments about putting cheek pieces on one just because it means it might it might draw out a little bit more improvement. And the the question there is whether whether um, the strike rate and first time headgear backs up the the logic of using it. And I'm not sure, I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying this as a as a leading question. Uh, I don't have this, the stats to hand, but it'd be worth it'd be worth looking at that and see if it works for Hugo because you know. Different trainers have different approaches, and if their logic is justified by past results, then that's fine. Um, but as a rule, I'd be, you know, I'd, I'd be very neutral on, on at best, on on first time cheek pieces. You're not a fan of them at all for this race uh, in particular. Um, Brian Galt will probably be the man to to lean on for that. So, Brian, if you could let us know how well. Hugo Palmer does with cheek pieces first time. That would be very, very useful for us. And uh, he is on Twitter, a long time listener yeah, to the final four podcast. Sure. Brian's, Brian's more of a, of, of a um, no, I, big event stats rather than individual stats for for um, uh, for, for trainers outside of the um, the big meetings. But he might, he might have that. Anyone who's got Proform, for example, could find it out or, or Raceform Interactive or um, anything like that. I reckon Brian will dig that one out for us. Your final selection, Rory, and your outsider. Well, this is a tricky one for me because if, if we're if we're punting based on current prices, um, then I, I'd agree with Tom that um, uh, uh, the Russian Emperor is the is the one to be with at the odds. Uh, as I said, I, I think um, there's a chance that those odds will will change markedly on the day. I suppose the fact that um, that Shimi is on board rather than Ryan means that that. that those odds will hold up for a fair while. I, I can see them coming under pressure um, uh, on the mor- in the morning and, and maybe close to the off as well, because then you tend to find out where the um, uh, where the really shrewd money is going. Uh, and as I said, if, if if English King did drift, so that he was you know third or fourth favourite, um, then I would consider backing him. But I couldn't back him at the price based on his his stall one draw, even though he's the horse. I, you know, if we didn't have the draw stats. Um, I would I would put up English King without 
any reservation whatsoever. But I do think he will drift. I think there'll be lots of talk about the draw. Um, and I think even with Frankie on board, his price on the exchanges at the very least uh, will drift. I think he, I think he will, um, uh, he'll probably end up behind Kamiko and either Russian Emperor or Mogul will be punted and possibly both of them. Um, and if that's the case, then I might just swallow, swallow my pride and, and, um, and back him and hope that Frankie, who is, you know, he is a master at overcoming bad draws. Look at his ride. Uh, look at how he won the, um, uh, the arc a few years ago by stealing someone else's pacemaker. Phenomenal. Um, you know, Beautiful uh, to watch. Yeah. Uh, from, from what was meant to be a bad draw as well. So, you know, Frankie is, uh, in terms of knowing what he's got to overcome and, and knowing what he's got to do tactically in a race, he is uh, the best jockey at ride bar none. Um, and I would say de- I, I would definitely put him above Ryan in that regard. Um, so he may he may be able, able to overcome it, but I need bigger odds to do that now uh, because of it. And again, you know, in terms of, of an outsider for the race, despite again having concerns about um, uh, the um, the the benefit of only two runs coming into this, uh, MS3 is a horse who I think has got an awful lot of ability, um, more than most of this field. So at around fifty, um, he's worth a small penalty. Well, we wanted to do a proper deep dive into the Derby because it's a special race and it is the Derby. There was a bit of confusion in pre-production, which I'm sure Rory will bring up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but we did do a, a poll. It was only for about three hours and there were 1,557 votes from some of our listeners uh, for our weekend winners. I asked you, who would you be backing to win the, to, to win the Derby? Dear me, I asked you who you would be backing to win the Derby. 30% went for Kameko, uh, 27 for English King. Mogul only got 22% after taking an early lead and Other was 21%. So uh, a few mentions. Uh, Ryan says all about Vatican City and Podrick Beggy. He's been crying out for the Derby distance. Uh, Out of Aiden's horses, Russian Emperor. Beggy must be staying in Britain to mop up all the remaining summer Group 1s, says Niall Davidson. Well, he does like to win the big Group 1s, Niall. Uh, It was Archie Brooks that's uh, going for Russian Emperor. Piledriver keeps defying the odds, says Kiron. I hope he does it again with another massive effort. He's my pick at around 16s. I think you might get bigger now, Kiron. Certainly on the Betfair Exchange. The draw has not been too kind to Mogul, says Andy Barton. It's a unique year, though, and it could be wide open. I've had my spell of picking several consecutive Derby winners, but the last one of those may very well have been Benny De Dip. Oh, no. Um, Brady says, Russian Emperor, shamey knows. Well, he was talking about his handicaps uh, for the Irish Derby, which certainly had Tony Keenan giggling away. Tony back on the show soon. Uh, Ali, long-time listener to the show. Hey, much I'm with you and Mogul. More giddy about the beautiful love in the Oaks, though. Coming next. Uh, Tom Rain. Top man, Tom. Looking forward to next year's Cheltenham preview. Vatican City, after a very promising run in the Irish 2000 Guineas. Uh, Brian, the aforementioned Brian Gold. Aaron Naveen, each way, in many places, seems an important name to put on a horse, a la Champ. Very reasonable form, should stay, question mark, and will be a bigger price as punters aren't keen to back something they can't pronounce or spell. Even I've checked it three times. Yeah, my Irish was horrible in school, uh, but I am able to say the name. Don't ask me to spell it, though. Uh, the Emperor for Sam Michael. Uh, will Humphrey, personally, I believe that Kameko is the classiest horse in the race, but the O'Brien squad will give him no chance of staying the trip. Mogul to come on from Ascot, and it's his race to be won. Shane Freeney, Mohican Heights for me, Martin Julian. Emmett, last summer, on this very podcast, you told me to back Mogul. So I followed the plan and backed him for weeks on end, and I stand by it now. Well done, Martin. Well done. I hope this long-term plan comes alive 
and the dream is alive on Saturday. English King, I've got my money on. Pile driver each way for places. Charlie, uh, Hugh Sheehy, Russian Emperor all the way. Ono Keefe asks, is this for the Triumph Hurdle in March? I wonder who JP will buy from this field, actually. Uh, have Kameko anti-post from October. Well done, Gary McKenzie. Uh, but I do like pile driver each way. Mohican Heights each way for Paul Romain. Uh, John Buck is questioning whether or not I said the Derby at Epsom is that correct. So Tony Coleman will have to step in. Uh, the aforementioned governor of all things pronouncing the Derby correctly. Emissary for JD Racing. Uh, and Aidan O'Brien, one, two, three. Russian Emperor, Serpentine and Mogul for Barry O'Brien. Scott Neal backed English King at 80 to 1 and has the receipts to prove it. Well done, Scott. Despite the draw, you were in a great spot. Uh, Darren Doyle with Vatican City, but he's not convinced that he will stay. Uh, Chris jokes that 50% of the poll are now in the death boxes. Wiped out. Uh, English King wins. Kameko doesn't stay. Mogul looked pacelet at Ascot, says David Lace. Harsh. Uh, Colin Battisfield. Does Kameko stay? I don't think he does. Um, Mark Jason Fanning, Highland Chief. He'll be strong at the line. And the trainer and jockey are in great form. Uh, maybe pull off the dream for Ben Curtis. And I imagine whatever Ryan rides should be the one to beat. Well, we know that it's Mogul. Uh, Zach Kingsbury with Russian Emperor. Uh, Chris Welburn goes for Piledriver. That guy uh, goes for uh, Russian Emperor. Max Vega for Archie Banks. Aline Britton, another on the Russian Emperor. Matt Jeffries. Um, Tax goes for Vatican City. Andrea Ford. Head, says English King, heart, pile driver. Uh, Pedro Pitkio goes for Vatican City. The Russian for Tom Yeomans. Uh, Vatican City for Bruce. Uh, Scott goes at Russian Emperor. There's a whole heap of people going for him. Uh, Mark Augie and loads of others as well. I got in as many names as I possibly could. Mogul and Auron Naveen for me in the Derby. The Oaks. I suspect will be a shorter chat. Love heads the betting on the bet for exchange right now. Uh, currently just above even money and industry best price. In fact, much above even money. Now 2.30. She's just changed in the blink of an eye. Frankly Darling, 3.01 for Frankie Dettori and John Gosden. Enna Steinem is 7.8, 7.08. In fact, again, another blink of the eye. And Passion, as one example of an outsider, is around about 22.0. You've got an interesting take on this race, Tumble. You think Aidan O'Brien's going to win but not with the first string. Yeah, exactly like I do in the derby. Uh, I think Ennis Daimon is the one to beat. She, now, she deserves a lot of watching because her improvement that she showed in the Ribblesdale behind Frankie Darling really caught my eye. Frankie Darling was always so prominent that day and really had the run of the race. She got first run on them. It was a brilliant ride from Frankie. She was never really in any danger. And then Simon under James Doyle was closing quickly, um, but not quickly enough, despite the fact that she actually ran the final three furlongs quicker than Frankie Darling did. I know Frankie Darling was... Um, was kind of eased up towards the end of the race, but it was still a really quick time. And the way that Ennis Diamond went past her rivals late on was really quite impressive for me. Um, the margin of victory was made to look like better than it was from frankly darling. And I can definitely see Ennis Diamond turning the tables. I mean, I know she's very much a work in progress, but she keeps improving every run. And that was a huge, huge improvement on her performance previously. She just, just got home over a mile. So I can see her 
being really, really, really tough to a mile and a quarter, I should say, really tough to beat here. Um, love for me, the only thing not to like about her is the form of the 1000 guineas hasn't worked out particularly well. Um, I know she won very impressively, but Cloak of Dreams and Quadrilateral haven't exactly boosted the form in the coronation stakes, and I think she's just too short a price. I mean, she's likely to improve markedly for this trip, I think, but uh, uh, the prices, Ennis Simon makes much more appeal to me, and I think she's I think she'll beat, frankly, darling. So for me, it's basically a battle of the two Aidan O'Brien runners because, to be honest, I don't think anything else in the race is going to win an Oaks. I don't think any of them are going to be good enough. Um, the gold one for Roger Varian, I don't think that was a decent performance last time out, but she's got to take a really, really big step up here. And I think that might well be gone beyond her. Um, so I think for me, it's the Aidan O'Brien pair, and I'd definitely be sorry with Ennis Diamond. She ran that last three furlongs so fast in the Ribblesdale, and I think this little bit of extra trip and the, uh, the uphill finish at Epsom is really going to suit her. So she'd be my pick in this, and I hope she can continue to improve and really put it up to them. Um, Tiempo Viela, or Tiempo Vuela, I should say, of the outsiders is the only one to make a little bit of appeal, although she's going to have to run significantly better than she did when she was beaten at run by Run Wild at Newmarket. But she went off favourite that day and is clearly thought a lot better than that. And she's a really big price and possibly shouldn't be a strong cost in second string. So I could see her running a, a big race at a decent price. But for me, it's Ennis Dymon and the Oaks. You've got a fantastic accent, brilliant tone, an excellent broadcaster, Tom, but take my hand and say it with me. You're making it. You're making it sound too posh, Ennis Dynam. <laughs> Ennis Diamond. There you go. And we'll have pints in Ennis Dynam if she goes in. Uh, Rory, I, I like Ennis Dynam. Um, I'm surprised at Tom that he's so against. Frankly, darling, but I love it because that's what the game's all about: is opinions. Uh, to be honest about it, I'm, I'm a huge fan of love. Uh, your thoughts on the race? Uh, largely, largely the same, um, but. I think Love might just be the blindingly obvious horse winner staring you in the face. Um, it's not a, it's not a strong race. Um, the Ribble Steel historically is always a, a much weaker race than the Oaks, um, but then again, it always comes a fortnight after or three weeks after in the uh, uh, in the calendar, and um, it suffers as a result. It might have been a slightly better race this time around, and frankly, darling. Uh, was impressive, but I, I, I completely agree with Tom. I think um, Edna Simon um, was using the Ribble Steel as a as a springboard to greater things. Whereas I think, frankly, Darning um, was always uh, was always on that Royal Ascot path for John Goldston. Um, both both trainers are masters with fillies like this, um, and they should both be players here. And I, I don't like anything behind them in the market at all. To be perfectly honest with you, I could I could have made a case for gold wand but only on the basis that you know in terms of what she's achieved you'd expect a huge price but she's what is she 16 to 1 on, on Betfair at the moment um, so you're not, you're not even getting the massive the massive price um, to play with with her um, love was enormously impressive in the guineas and there's no, there's no such thing as a bad 1000 guineas uh, the runner up had the run of the race that day. I don't think she's anything special, um, but there are plenty of good horses in behind. Um, I suspect that um, uh, the coronation came came too quick for um, quadrilateral. Who you know who wouldn't be well suited by a mile run on a turning track anyway. Um, so I've, I've no issues with the, with the the, um, the form of the guineas. Um, and Love was in a different league. Absolutely in a different league. She strides um, beautifully. She looks like she's she's guaranteed to improve her step up and trip. Um, 
her form is all in good and good at soft grounds. Um, she's going to get conditions to suit. She just looks the class apart to me. Um, if, if I wanted to boost my returns, I'd probably have her to beat Ennis Diamond in a, um, in a forecast. I love it when Roy Delargy puts up a forecast. I absolutely love it when he does that. <laughs> and I'd fully agree with you. That's what I'd be thinking as well, is love and then a Steinem in... It's going to have to be a reverse forecast because if Tom is right, I don't want to be kicking myself like last weekend going, oh, what did I do? He told me to do. Damn it. Uh, so that's our, our thoughts on the Oaks. And as I said, it's going to be a shorter conversation than the Derby, to say the least. So it's love for Rory and I and Ennis Steinem for Tumble. Play the reverse forecast and we'll see you in Dubai on Sunday. The Carl Eclipse is back and adds to a glorious weekend of racing. And Frankie Dettori will be on board. The undisputed queen of flat racing. And Abel is back. And John Gosden says she may very well need the race. He's sending out the warning signals. Uh, she's currently 2.12 on the Betfair Exchange. Reath, Geath, whatever you want to say, pick your poison. 3.21. But importantly, never say Rayas. Yeah, never. Laura King, you got it so badly wrong, and you have it stuck in my head now. But it's one of it's it's one of these throaty things. Rayas. But again, that's like it's like saying Turles. You know, Turles is not. It's Turles is correct if you're from Turles. Turles, yeah. It's horrible if you're English and you're trying to sound like you're you're getting it right. Turles. Yes. Let's go with that. We'll we'll get you there. Me giving le- lectures on pronunciation. Jesus Christ. Uh, Japan, 6.29 and confirmed for Bally Doyle. Uh, a magic wand in there as well at 24.0. Rory, your thoughts on the Carl Eclipse. We didn't think we'd get her. She was going to be retired, but she's back. Uh, is she going to need this run, though? Yeah, well, um, it seems that that's, a, that's a, a possibility. It's a tricky one, really, because, of course, you know, um, if you're if you're... Well, if you're judging what John Gosden says about Enable, you'd be doing very well because she keeps winning races anyway. Um, but, you know, we did have that, um, that the scenario in the arc uh, two years ago where it was all systems go and then you find out she had a, she had a serious setback um, between the September, the September 6th and the, the arc itself. Um, so that's a little bit of a, a bit of a concern. I don't think you always get um, absolutely correct information when you're dealing with... Um, the likes of, of um, Judd Monty, because there are certain there are certain things that owners do not want the public um, to know about. So it's off limits for trainers to talk about. Um, so you don't always know what what little things have happened. Um, so it's a bit of a worry when John Gosson's saying she might just need it. It's interesting that he's taken Lord North out of the rest, or you know, by all accounts, Lord North will not run. Because uh, he would have he would have looked at um, a serious danger, given how much he's improved. Uh, and you'd have thought if you're you know if your favourites for the race you think she's not going to run to her best, you'd be inclined to to try to win it with something else. Or maybe it seemed to be politically incorrect to be um, to be winning the race with another owner's horse um, when you've got um, a, a mare like uh, like Enable in there. I think the key to this race is not is not forcing yourself to take a view on Enable. It's taking a view on Gayath. This is, this is a horse who either wins impressively or blows out. Um, and I think people are going to have stronger opinions um, about him than anything else in the race. Um, very, very impressive at, at new market form, which has already worked out very, very well. Um, but as we saw in the arc last year, 
when Gaius doesn't get his own way, he can uh, capitulate fairly, fairly quickly. And I wonder whether they will want to ride him uber-aggressively at Sandown. I'm not sure they will. I think I'd probably want to be with, with Gaius if I thought they were going to say, right, we're going to really stretch this field from the start. Um, and in the old days, with a Frankie de Tori on board, you might be you might sort of see that scenario uh, panning out. But I have a feeling that um, now they've, they've got the, the decent win to start the season um, with this horse and, and he could be the best around. They are going to want to treat him as if he is not luck dependent and they're going to ride him normally. They'll probably go to the front, um, but it's just going to be an ordinary gallop. And I think if I was going to back um, Gayath, I'd want to see him maximise what he has. And that means going very hard and putting the others out of their comfort zone. Um, but my gut feeling is that won't happen. I'd love it if it did. I would love to see Gayath go 10 lengths clear in the first two furlongs of this race because it would make for a fascinating contest. Um, but I think if he, if he sets a sort of standard pace and he leads by half a length from whoever wants to sit next to him, I think he gets stuffed um, just because I, I don't think he wants another horse close to him. Uh, and I think that, you know, it, it seems to compromise his ability. Uh, it's, it's possible that it's something else, you know, but he's got, you know, his record is is um, interspersed with, with ordinary runs and these huge performances where he outclasses his opposition and they never see which way he goes. Um, so... That's the problem with taking an able on is you, you need to be sure that you've got Gaiath running for you. If you think you do have Gaiath running for you, you should be backing him to win rather than taking an able on. Um, and that's that's fairly much the race. I'm not sure I can see Deirdre being at her best. Um, after I love Deirdre, but I, 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 I'd like to see her with a, um, which she almost had last year, sort of full campaign um, in, in this country or, or in Europe at least. Um, to you know, to find the right scenario for her, and, and actually, the stiff track at Sandline will suit her. And we saw she finished um, like a train and she won at Goodwood last year. But I'm not sure I want her first time out. I'm not sure I want her on, on easyish ground either. Um, I don't like Regal reality at all. Um, I imagine Magic One won't be won't be turning up, um, judging by the betting. Um, so it's really a th- it's really a three horse race, isn't it? Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a hard race to punt in. If I want to know exactly what connections of Gaiath want to do beforehand, but it's not, it's not incumbent on them to give their tactics away to their opposition. Um, and I just, as I said, my gut feel is that they don't want him to be labeled as having to have an easy lead to win. So I think he's, he's going to be ridden yes, prominently, but not trying to, um, um, to, to, you know, to go off the speed he did at Newmarket if, if that's the way they want to ride him then I'd actually give him a decent chance of winning this because I think it will put the others out of their comfort zone and, and enable him to win but if he's, if he's ridden um, as if he just wants to lead and he's as good as anything I think having horses in close proximity to him will see him run below his best and that makes it a really really hard race to punt in unless you just wait for a flagfall wait for the first 50 yards and see what the body language is with Gaiath I would literally want to see him gunned out of the stalls to back him. Um, so if he bounces his eyes and it's a case of dropping your hands on him and let him lead, then I'd leave him alone. But if the intention appears to be to really um, set the race up, 
um, then I, I'd want to be with them. So it's no bet for me pre-race at all. Um, but if they're going to be super aggressive with Gaeth, then I'd be I back them early in running. And if it looks like they want to be conservative, I'd lay them in running. That's a very, very interesting mindset and a really interesting piece of advice from Roy Delarkey for the Coral Eclipse. And obviously you would be doing that on the Betfair Exchange. You could also insert the price that you want as they start and make sure that you get that so that you're not taking lower. Yeah, I probably should. it's probably worth saying that. I, I would happily take two to one about him in running. It, you know, it's, you, don't have to wait, you don't have to wait to see how the rest of the race pans out. It's literally after 50 yards. Is this horse going to be ridden fairly conservatively albeit close to the front, or is he going to be ridden very aggressively? And you get to find that out very early. Uh, so if he's ridden away from the stalls, you know, as if his tail's on fire, then take two to one or he was slightly shorter about him. Um, it, it usually takes the market a little bit of time to, to work out what, you know, whether the pace that's being set is too strong or not. I don't think that's really the issue with him because the pace he set at Newmarket was too strong but it didn't matter because it it was more destructive to the others in the race than it was to him. I have a feeling he's going to bomb out here, but I'm fascinated to know what the views of Tom Bull are. Are you in agreement with Rory, Tom, or are you taking a different stance? When I was doing the race stretch for this around about a week ago, five days ago, um, I thought to myself, well, the only way a Nable can get beaten in this race, in my opinion, is if Lord North runs. And much to my chagrin, Lord North probably won't be running because I think this would be right up his street, exactly the kind of test he would love. And the fact that he has to find seven pounds really to run to her level is perfectly within his compass, I think, because he's improving so quickly. So I'm absolutely gutted that he probably won't be running in the race because I think John Coston could easily have the one two with Lord North to be enable. Um, sadly, that won't be happening. But obviously, as Rory has delved into deeply, the interesting angle of this race is high arse or guy arse. The fact that he could go off like a scolded cat from the front or he could they could play the waiting game and be slightly more patient with him and have him run, run alongside the likes of Enable at the head of affairs. This is a horse who I think needs to have a very, very big lead to win and I agree with Rory in that fact and I don't think Sandown is going to suit him at all. I think it's too much of a tight one mile two. Uh, he's, a, he's a real galloping sort. He needs a strong galloping track like we saw at Newmarket on the Rolling Mile and I don't think a course like this one round a bend is going to suit him well at all. Um, I think it'll take some sort of speed to win this race. I think Garth's got plenty of that, but I think he needs to be given a four or five length lead to be able to maintain that. And I don't think he will be given that luxury this time. And if he is, I don't think the, the type of track that Sandon is will suit him. We all know how good Enable is, um, but her racing of 128 puts her at the level of top class rather than, I would say, stratospherically good. Um, high arse is only races a few pounds inferior to her. And if he runs to his best, we'll definitely put it up to her. But as I say, I don't think he will. Japan, a bit like Mogul for me at Royal Ascot, just did not perform. Likely to come on massively for that run. And his fourth in the arc last year gives him a chance, as does his job at International Win, where he beat Crystal Ocean. And as a four-year-old, he's likely to be a much better horse this year, I would have thought. Um, but you can't possibly back him or tip him on that Royal Ascot performance. Deirdre Magic Wand, Regal Reality particularly, and Bangkok have any sort of chance to, to beat her at her best or even near her best, because she probably will be around 80 or 90% fit. I think Enable is definitely the one to carry the Eclipse home again this year, and it just pains me that Gosden is deciding not to run Lord North against her, because I think it would be a cracking contest, and I think Lord North would get the better of her, because I think he's got a superior turn of foot. She's more of a grinding sort, despite the fact, of course, she is very classy. Um, so yeah, Enable for me, by process of elimination, and I do hope Hyath goes off like a an absolute 
uh, nutcase in front because it would be great to see and it would really make a cracking race. But I don't think the track's going to suit him that well. So enable for me under Frankie to win her second eclipse in a row. The track angle is a very, very interesting one. The one thing I would say for Japan fans, which includes me, is I'm surprised he's running here and not the King George. That's first. And secondly, Sir Isaac Newton famously got beaten at Chester at six to one on full brother and secret gesture. I think she only won once off a break. Indeed she did uh, a break of 194 days when she was a five-year-old, a four-year-old. Um, she won in New York back in 2015. So the relatives just seem to be stuffy. We saw that with, with Mogul at Royal Ascot. We'll know more of course on, on the Saturday, but Japan just probably needs a little bit of eking along. And I wouldn't be surprised if he turns up and puts on a much bigger performance. I, I think I'll probably back against her with Japan, but if Enable wins, I'm not going to shed any tears. So just, just great to see her back. Fascinating insight from the lads. We have got France to discuss next. August 13th, 2010. Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere. So start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the exchange this week and get a £5 free bet. If you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back on exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds, £1.55 free bet awarded at bet settlement, valid for 72 hours, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. 210, Sky Sports Racing, the French Derby, the Prix de Jockey Club at Chanty, and the favourite, of course, is Victor Ladorum, who will storm to victory yet again for his second classic and his third group one in total. He's currently two to one favorite. His stable companion, who was entered for the Derby or at least was under consideration for it, but they have decided to come here instead. Ocean Atlantique is a five to one shot. And interesting side note from an Irish perspective and the Coolmore perspective, the Ballydoyle account had tweeted to say that Fort Myers was always going to come here and that Armory was a possible if he didn't go to Epsom. Well, he doesn't turn up in either. Armory is a non-runner for the weekend. Order of Australia, though, does rock up after finishing fourth in the Irish Derby, and Shami Heffernan will be on board, stable jockey on board for Ocean Atlantique. I can't see past Victor Ladorum. Tom Bull, what about you? Uh, I'm unfortunately, I, mean, I can see past him. Oh, no. Um, that might not mean anything. Um, but he's obviously deserves to be the head of the market because that was a really impressive French Guineas win, um, despite the fact that I'm really unconvinced by the form because Celestin ran a rubbish race in the jersey and I thought he had a really good chance that day. Uh, the Summit, who was second, benefited from an easy lead, I thought, in the Prix de Fontainebleau and I thought that was about his level and I don't think Olsen, who was third in the Guineas, is a top-class cult, personally, because uh, his form ties, ties in with, uh, with a few others who I don't think are quite up to that level. So, for me, Vic, about the prices is actually worth taking on despite the fact he's got plenty more to come over this trip I would imagine. Uh, Miss Riff was really impressive at Newmarket for John Gosden. That horse has quite clearly improved this year and the form has worked out really nicely with that Vulcan star finishing second who since gone on to win and Volkonik who was third only found highest ground too strong in that really strong Haydock contest. So, that form looks really good. Mishroff has got to have a chance. I'm not a huge fan, though, of British horses in this race. Um, they don't have a particularly good record in the past. And I'm always more keen to side with the home team, as it were. And there's a couple in here I do like. One of the, sh one of the shorter price horses who I think has got a really good chance is a horse called Pau Alto, who won the Prix de la Force very impressively, travelled really well, and looked, that looked one of the stronger trials with Ocean 
Atlantique, Atlantique, I should say, in second, and Chashnak back in third, who are both reopposing. Um, I think this extra trip is likely to bring out more in him, and his sire Intello won this race, so there's a lot in his favour. Um, I'm going to put one up at a really big price, though, and it's a horse called San Fabrizio, who I think would have won the Prix de Guiche with ease last time out, which was a decent enough race at this level, but he got absolutely no sort of run through. He was quite clearly the best horse in that race as he finished on the bridle. He was last of six runners, but they all finished in a heap, and he was he was just on the snaff. I think he would have won that easily. It would have been a nice trial for this race, and he will definitely go on the radar because of that performance. He went to favourite that day, clearly has more to come, and I think at the prices, he definitely makes a huge amount of appeal because... It's difficult to know who really is going to be ahead of anyone else in this race. Victoria Dorham quite clearly has the best form. Um, but I definitely think there's something lurking down below who could who could take advantage. And that could well be San Fabrizio, who definitely has a big future. The other one to mention quickly is Gold Trip, who won the Prix Griffoule and was in front from a long way out that day. It's a good trial for this race, usually, but it doesn't look particularly like it will be this year. As he's quite a big price and that form probably isn't worth a great deal. So for me, San Fabrizio, a big price. And I like Power Alto as well. May I say that Laurent Baparan was going to be on the show today. There was a conflict schedule with Sky Sports Racing. We're not going to argue with that. But what about Tom Bull to step up and do magnifique French pronunciations? <laughs> Absolutely stunning. Stunning. Merci, I th- monsieur. I Merci. thought for a second Laurent had dialed in. Uh, absolutely spectacular. Right. So that's Tom's analysis. Rory, for you, I will point out that uh, I spoke with Laurent yesterday. He's going to be on the show on Monday reviewing the action. And he thinks Victor Ladorum is basically a penalty kick here. Yeah. I guess the one where he would have had with um, Victor Ladorum was where he was drawn um, because uh, he was very keen on his return. Um, and uh, Mikel Barcelona was very keen to to drop him in um, in the Pouliche. So if he was drawn wide, I, you know, I could see that being potentially problematic for him. But he's drawn in stall one. I'm not always a massive fan of stall one because, of course, um, it's not like it gives you every option in the world. It enables you to tuck in, and if tucking in suits you, that's great. Um, or indeed, if you want to press on, um, from the real, that's that's grand as well. It will suit him. Um, he's still going to need a degree of luck in running. Um, you know, given we get a very big field for this race as we as we usually do, um, and French classics can be marred by um, uh, by trouble in running. So that's the, that's the concern for him. Otherwise, um, I don't think it's a mile and a half, but I think this trip will suit him fine. He'll get he'll be able to to. Um, uh, to save uh, every inch and uh, all the energy he needs as well uh, through this. So he, he's going to be hard to beat. Um, I'm not sure he's an absolute superstar, to be perfectly honest, but we haven't seen... The problem we have with this season is that you know, it, it effectively started in June for most of us. Uh, not quite the same for the, for the French. Um, but we're looking at a, at a good crop rather than an exceptional crop um, thus far. I, I love Mishriff. I really do like Mishriff. Um, I love the way he gallops. He, 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 um, his head is very low. Um, and I, I love horses with a low head courage. It's a sign of honesty. He is clearly a very honest time. Um, he was an easy winner from Vulcan Star last time. I won by four lengths and Vulcan Star won a race of the same course and distance of the same grade um, easily last weekend. So the form has been, has been very well franked. Um, I think it's, we would have been inclined to put Mishriff in a box 
given that he was beaten twice um, last season in, in ordinary novice company, um, but has clearly uh, progressed since that. Um, he was a, a very impressive winner of a, a maiden at Nottingham in his final start. And he, he stepped forward in both starts this season. He was unlucky when he, he, he ran in Saudi Arabia. He shows no other effects from that when coming back to win the, um, uh, the Newmarket Stakes last time out. My concern with him, he's got a very good drawn stall three. I'd rather be in three than one generally. Um, it just I think it always gives you slightly more options. Um, and you're not you're never liable to be trapped against a reel. It enables you to move either way. Um, I just wonder whether the track will suit him. He's a real galloper. And a galloping track is going to suit him very well. Whereas I'm not sure he's going to enjoy being tucked up among horses in the same way that Vigil Adoram would. Um, if this was more of a, you know, if I thought this was going to be run at a very strong gallop, um, um, there was going to be plenty of room in the straight, then I'd be keen on Mishrif. I just wonder whether whether um, the way these races tend to be run will not show him to best effect. And, you know, he was out there um, on the front end throughout it at Newmarket. Perhaps, you know, perhaps I'll just go forward with him and try to try to make most of the running, but that's, you tend to be a sitting target if you do that um, here as well. But I, I want to give him a big shout-out because I... Cause I like him more as a uh, as a horse than Victor Ladorum. Um, but Victor Ladorum has the proven form, and I just think he's got the right setup here to win. Um, so I'm going to go with him. Excellent. I'll take that about Victor. I will happily take that. Last-minute vote of confidence from Roy Delargy. Uh, the exact wording from Laurent Babaran last night was, I do not see anything in the race that is in his league. Bear in mind... This is a man who very highly regards Ocean Atlantique. Pop quiz, hot shots. How many times has Aidan O'Brien won the French Derby? Tumble. I, I don't remember him having won it at all. Are you going to go with so zero? I'm going, to, I'm going to say zero. Rory? Uh, it's, not, it's not going to be very mini, uh, if it is at all. Um no, I'm, I'm going to agree with that. I can't, I, can't, I can't name one, so I'm going to suggest there isn't one. This is why Tom Bull and Roy DeLarge are on the Final Furlong podcast, because they know what time it is. They know their racing history, therefore they know racing's future. With 37 runners in 22 years, Aidan O'Brien is zero in the French Derby. So bear that in mind as we head into the weekend. The Prix de Diane, gentlemen. We see a strong renewal. Aidan O'Brien is sending over peaceful. Fancy Blue for Dunica in his quest for a first classic winner as a trainer. But more importantly, Alpine Star heading the betting after a stunning performance at Royal Ascot. Tom, you can take the lead on this. I thought Alpine Star was devastatingly good at the Royal meeting. And I'm sure Frank Editori would have loved to have continued. Stefan Pasquier got the call up during the week. And... The Niarcos family obviously love French racing. It's significant that Jessica sends her and the step up to St. Furlongs isn't going to be too much of a problem, I would think. Yeah, look, she was really impressive at Royal, at Royal Ascot in the Coronation Stakes in a race that uh, kind of fell apart, in my opinion, really. Um, but it was still a really impressive performance. She, you know, She's deservedly at the top of the market. You can't knock her. She's liked to improve this distance. Um, she's got all the hallmarks of, of a proper top-class filly. Um, so Alpine Star definitely deserves to be the head of the market. Um, I think... She and Peaceful hold all the aces in this race. I think Rabiha, who won the Prix de la Seine in really good fashion last time out, that was a really poor listed race. And the second that day was beaten comprehensively. So I think it's going to be between Peaceful and Alpine Star, uh, possibly for the win. Um, 
I think Peaceful of, of the two would just be, I'd just be coming down on her. Um, I was really impressed with her Guineas win. And I think she's got plenty more to come. That was after a reappearance. And I expect her to, to strip a lot fitter for that performance. Um, and I know that the O'Brien clan have always really liked her. And she needs top of the ground. So I don't think there's too much rain over in France. So hopefully it'll stay as it is now and she can uh, she can produce a, a big performance. I expect it to, well, it's currently soft ground, but I expect it to hopefully dry out a little bit and hopefully it, we'll have it's good to soft. To. Which, yeah, so hopefully we'll have good to soft, maybe even good ground by the day. And that would really suit her much better. So if we get that, hopefully she's she's the one to beat. Although I do fear for Alpine Star. But I will quickly put my hat in the ring with a bigger price horse, bigger price filly, uh, who I think has been slightly overlooked in the market, and that is Speak of the Devil. She didn't get a clear run in the Pouliche, but came with a really strong challenge and nearly nabbed the winner, who is Dream and Do, in the final few yards. Dream and Do doesn't run in this race. She's been saved for another day. Um, this step up in trip is ideal for her, and I think she's going to run a really, really big race. That was a nice performance. They finished two lengths clear of the third, and quite clearly, with every yard she took, she got closer to the winner, so this extra trip should be right up her alley. Um, the form looks pretty decent in that race with Trobo, or Trobo, I should say, in behind, and uh, she could be worth a pop each way, and she, and unlike Peaceful, could actually do with a little bit of ease underfoot. So I don't know whether to be praying for rain or not, not praying for rain in this race, because my two picks, could, it could go either way for either one of them. But I think if the rain does come, or if it stays, if the ground stays, it is now, Speak of the Devil will have a big, big chance. Um, but I think Peaceful is the most likely winner. It's actually, you know, it's a really... It's a really fascinating race because Fancy Blue's in there as well for uh, Donica mm. uh, with Pierre Charles Boudot on board. And uh, she ran a big race behind Peaceful on her reappearance. So it's uh, it's a really hot race, I think. There's a few in there down the bottom at bigger prices. We've got chances too. But for me, it would be speak of the devil if, the, if there's rain. And if there isn't, Peaceful to win. So restrictions lifted. Um, Pierre Charles Boudot, the first jockey to André Fab, snapped up by Donica. Ryan Moore chooses to stay and go for Japan in the Eclipse. That race is worth 140 grand, I think, to the winner. Uh, this race, 290,000 pounds sterling to the winner. But Ryan's, nah, I'm not going to France. Um, I'm going to stay in England. Is that significant? We'll only know on Sunday. Rory? Um, I thought, um, yeah, Rabia was Andy Poe's favourite for this. I couldn't, I couldn't get that at all. She was impressive last time, but I just thought it was, I thought it was a very, very ordinary race. Um, she was running in, and there's better form uh, on the table based on what Alpine Star and uh, Peaceful have done last time out. I'm slightly concerned this comes very quickly for Alpine Star. Um, she ought to stay, um, but um, it's a slight question mark. This is obviously the race they would want to go for. I don't know how. how um, how keen Jesse was in the first place, but um, being an Iarcos uh, family horse, um, it was always likely that um, Alpine was going to get a chance on this. I'd rather have seen her um, have a little bit longer. Peaceful's had an extra week uh, to recover from from her impressive win in the um, uh, in the Irish Stars and Guineas, um, and she will stay. Um, I would I'd be surprised if she didn't stay um, this trip. Mile and a half might be a slight question mark for her, but she'll say a mile and a quarter perfectly well. So I thought she should have been favourite, Peaceful. Um, I think you can make a case for a few, as, as Tom has. Speak of the Devil ought to have won um, the uh, the Pouliche. She was the best horse in the day. I th the slight worry with that is I, I have a suspicion that Pouliche wasn't much of a race, to be honest. 
um, you know, it was, it was a very exciting finish. Um, she was only beaten on nose and had she got a run through at the right time, she would have won. Um, on the dam side, well, Miranda wasn't really a stayer herself, but she has produced Miranda, who stays, you know, who, who's won over a, a mile and five on heavy ground um, on the Ormond stakes last year. So the, there's um, latent stamina there. Whether Wooden Bassett is the... Um, um, is enough of an influence for stamina. I'm not entirely sure, but you know, on the downside of the pedigree, there's plenty of hope that speak for the devil will stay. As I said, I'm just, I don't think that was a particularly strong classic. Um, the police in saying that it was over, it was five weeks ago now. Um, so that's m- more of an ideal time frame for her to have, to have come on from one run to the other. Whereas, um, you'd be slightly concerned, as I said, with Alpine Star, this only being a fortnight from the coronation. Um, but for me, uh, Peaceful is the one to beat. Uh, I, th- I thought she should have been favorite based on what she's achieved. Um, and with no real concerns about the, the, the trip, but she hasn't, it took a while for her to be confirmed for this race. Uh, we still don't have decks. Of, oh, I'm sorry, we do have decks now, don't we? Um, so I, I, it's taken a while, I think, for the market to, to catch up with her. I think she probably will be favourite in the end um, for this. Um, but as it stands, she'd be my pick in the race, but um, I'd want to be on reasonably soon if I was going to have a bet. It may very well have been games being played, but there was a significant market move for for the Oaks at Epsom. Uh, only for Aiden O'Brien to come out and say, no, nah, not running. And it must be significant that she rocks up here. Huge prize money, obviously, but that's not a concern for Aidan O'Brien, really. Not really. Uh, it's all about getting Group 1 prizes on the page. Speak of the Devil, 11-1. to 1, Peaceful, 4-1. to 1, Alpine Star, 11-4. to 4, Current best prices on that race. That's our running order. So if anything else is going to be mentioned, it's key. And I have a sneaky suspicion that Tom Bull does have something up his sleeve. But what, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be much of a price, unfortunately, but, you know, if it wins, it wins. And I really fancy Lazuli in the Coral Charge on Sunday. Uh, he really blew me away in the Scurry Stakes because he got a lot of speed. And people were saying, mm, well, the drop back to five furlongs really suits him. And I tell you what, didn't it half? He absolutely bolted in. And I have to say, I think over a sprinting trip, he's got a big future and could well be Group 1 level in time. Whether or not this comes too early for him, is up for debate. I don't think it personally will do. I think he's got our power to beat. Uh, there's an interesting form line with both of them, actually, because Lazuli beat Keep Busy at Sandown last time out, who then went on to run in the Palace of Holyrood House handicap at Royal Ascot, which, of course, is the race Art Power won. Now, Art Power and Lazuli are taking each other on this time, and both beats Keep Busy around about the same distance, giving almost the same weight away. So it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top between them, but I'm slightly favouring Lazuli solely because Art Power has shown in his starts to date that he really does have a tendency to need to lead. Maybe not need to lead, but that's the way he likes to be ridden. And with El Astronaut and Dakota Gold and a couple of others in there as well, I think there's going to be a huge amount of pace here. Um, The draw obviously will play a big part when that comes out and there won't be 20 runners in this race that's for sure uh, the entry stage there are um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there um, but I think Lazuli doesn't need to lead he was prominent last time but I think he can come from off the pace he's done that before and I would be more inclined to be siding with him he's not a big price but he's got a massive future as a sprinter and at the entry stage there are only a few in this who, who really have aspirations for, for higher than Group 3 level, and he is one of them, and I expect him to, to wear the Godolphin blue and flourish in the Coral Charge. So hopefully, yeah, he can, he can be a winner on the day. 
Actually, one one I will quickly say as well afterwards oh, yes. is just ver- very, very quickly, um, look out for a horse called Furrat in the Princess Elizabeth Stakes at Epsom on Saturday. She gave weight away and a massive beating to her rivals at Chelmsford on her reappearance in Novice Stakes, uh, carrying a penalty that day, but she absolutely crucified them. And uh, she's got a really big future. I think she'll win that race. So look out for her in the Princess Elizabeth. Another one who probably won't be much of a price, but she's got a huge future. Goes into the list, adds to bet slip. Rory DeLarge. Um, Old Newton Cup at Haydock on, on Sunday. Palavicino. Oi, oi. Sounds like um, a Luca Kamani horse, although he's obviously retired, but this used to be a benefit for him back in the day. Yeah, he's, uh, Palavicino is, uh, is Brian Meehan's. Um, and he's not he's not a particularly dark one. He's won his last three starts. Um, and... Um, he was, for me, hugely impressive last time out at, at Kempton. Um, he made the running and won with any amount in hand, um, albeit only by a neck in the end. He, he, he threatened to run off the track in the, in the final furlough. He's, he's got his quirks. Um, when he knew that you know he could, he could head back to the stables, he wanted to do that. Um, which is obviously a little bit of a concern, but the form that he showed in beating Emirates Night and, and Jersey Wonder is is solid. Um, the field was very well stretched out that day um, in behind them. Jersey Wonder, who was third, won next time out. Um, he's the only one uh, to have come out of that race and run run since. So your you one worry about it was, well, the winner has done this so easily throughout that maybe it's not he's not beating much. Um, but Jersey Wonder was... was um, uh, a perfectly uh, good winner of a, a handicap at, at uh, again at back at Kempton um, the other day. Um, that form is up yesterday in actual fact. That form is is very solid, um, and I'll, I think he's a big prize because he's not done it on turf. But he's he's only had he's only had two turf starts. He's won one of them um, on soft ground at Foslas on debut. He was then disappointing on his second start. But he's looked a different horse this season. I don't think it's surface related. I think the obvious thing for people to think is is that it must be the surface that's doing it. He's not bred for um, uh, for polytrack. He's a, a son of Cacique out of a Galileo mare. I think he's going to be at least as good back on turf. Um, and although he does have his quirks about him, I think he's got a lot of class. I think he's probably a group horse. Um, and normally a horse with this kind of profile would be a shortish price for a race like this. Um, but he's 16s. Um, he doesn't have another entry over the weekend, so it's not like he's he's, you know, dual entered and I would imagine the um, the plan is to run him in the race and for me he, he looks very overpriced as a result that name again Rory Pallavicino Pallavicino definitely is added to the bet slip as well uh, during the last week I did a lucky 15 which will be music to Rory's ears love 13 to 8 mogul 7 to 1 Victor Ladorum 2 to 1 Japan 10 to 1. It pays 6k. So Monday's show will be a whole lot of fun if that comes in. Or if they all get chinned. Oh, I'll be like a... Anyway, best bet of the weekend, tumble. 
Oh, best bet of the weekend. You know what? I'm going to go with Emma Steinman in the Oaks. Or uh, you, you know, give me that pronunciation again, Emma. You, you said it's spot on, Emma Steinman. Did I? All right, there you go. Uh, yeah, Emma Steinman in the Oaks. I think she's she's the one to beat. I'm really excited by her. And I, that 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 those last three furlongs in the Ribblesdale, she ran them faster than Frankly Darling. She was closing her down, even though it might not look to liked it on first evidence. She's got a serious future of a staying trip. So yeah, uh, Emma Steinman in the Oaks. If John Magner's mother's silks are in the winner's enclosure, we are heading to Clare once all of the restrictions are over and going on a. <laughs> proper session a proper west of ireland tour rory did argue your best bet of the weekend uh, i'm going to go with palomachino and the and uh, the old union cup um in the you know obviously we're, we're still waiting for decks for that but um hoping that he's he's going to be running there and that the market has just underrated him victor ladorm wins he just wins. Sorry, Tom. He wins the French Derby. <laughs> Fine. Uh, I love it. Throw him in all of your bets. Just do it. And uh, we'll talk about his glorious success on Monday's show. Absolute pleasure as always. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, hit like on SoundCloud or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening to the show. Uh, it's a big help. And listen, steal phones. When I say steal phones, I mean borrow your friend's phone so you need it for a second and go subscribe. Thank you very much. Much obliged. Much appreciated. We'll keep smiles on all of our faces. Tumble, uh, the sun in the weekend. Anything that we should be looking out for? Yeah, there's a 20-page pullout on Saturday. It's an absolute Whoa. cracker this week. Yeah, more so than usual. Got everything you need. Cards form some really good features and some really good guests in there as well. And make sure you check us out on uh, Sun Racing on Twitter and Sun Racing on Instagram because there'll be plenty of good content going out this weekend as well. Top man. And best to look for the weekend as well because your look will be our look as well. Rory Delargy, anything to look out for in the fields this weekend or at the races? Oh, well, have a, keep an eye out for my Irish Fields copy which I should put them together after this, but I haven't, I haven't got stuck into too many other races other than what I've mentioned. All right, well, watch out for that then. Uh, available online and in most news agents and some rubbish ones as well. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. That is our weekend preview done. What a weekend of racing it is. Enjoy it. Embrace it. We'll chat to you on Monday as we review our successes or our failures. Until then, talk to you soon. Look after yourself. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.